Welcome to the Progressive Property Podcast, helping you invest in property for freedom, choice, and profit. You'll learn new, innovative, and multiple streams of property income, whether you want to start, scale, or systemize, and even if you don't have deposits. Hi, I'm Peter Jones, Chancellor Swayer, author and property investor, and this is the Progressive Property Podcast. And I'm absolutely delighted today to be joined by my buddy, Nigel, Nigel Jardine, who I've known now for probably getting on for about two years. Mm. I say no in the loosest sense of the term because actually I know very little about Nigel, except our paths have crossed at ETM, which is the speaker training course that we do once a month here to make sure that us trainers are kept on the straight and narrow and know what we're doing. And I know from my few brief snatches of conversation with Nigel that he's got an amazing backstory. And as part of the Progressive Stroke Unlimited Success community, I thought it'd be great to have him on the podcast today to pick his brains and to find out a little bit more about him. So, Nigel, welcome. Thank great you to see you. Thank you very much that lovely interaction, introduction. How are you doing? didn't recognise me there. Uh, I'm doing really well, really well. Um, Keeping very fit, which I like now, and uh, I just love fitness. It's one of my main value systems: is keeping fit, and you know that keeps the brain active. Now, that takes us straight in, really, because in terms of your backstory, of course, you have got an, an, an athletic past, haven't you? Yeah. Back in the early seventies, am I allowed to say that? You're right, eh? You were even into the sixties. Even into the sixties, yeah. you, you were a, a potential Olympian. Yeah, um, <clears throat> right from the word, I would say from about mm, no, eight, nine, ten, I got in cycling. Obviously, eight, nine, ten, not in a, an enormous way. Um, and apparently, allegedly, in my own lunchtime, I was really quite good. And as I got to 15, 16, <clears throat> noticed by the England um, teams as they were then and the English uh, cycling. And so did a lot of uh, work there, and especially time trials, road races, I loved them. And uh, it was something I'd never been good at anything because I was bottom of every class of every school for various reasons that you can always ask me later. But So I can't process information, so everything I pick up has to be through what I see and feel. And that's all I'm picking up for information. Mm. So I've had to, I never realised that until I got later on. So I've, I have to really, I've got, had to have coping skills. But one of the coping skills is I know I have to, I'm very movement based. So mm -hmm. you notice I talk with my hands without realizing it. And so I love outdoors and movement. And obviously that went into cycling, drumming, anything that was expressive and, moves, uh, and uh, movement based. So cycling was one of them. Fantastic, so did you cycle competitively? Yeah, yeah, very much so. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. And 74, you were going to be in the Olympics team? Uh, it was 72. 72, sorry. Yeah, 72. Um, I was down in um, what we call like a B team and things. I was being what we call looked at now. Um, and looked at means you've got a chance, but obviously only so many people go to the Olympics. And uh, unfortunately, I had really quite bad, well, yeah, it was a bad accident, several just months before that. So that was out, but that's life and the way it is really. Right, so was that the end of your sort of competitive athletic career, if we can call it that? Um, on the bike it was, confidence-wise, I still cycle to today, uh, competitively, I was mm. just in a race last week. Um, 
But as far as uh, my energy enthusiasm, I, I run a lot and also I have world records in things that needed my movement base. Yes, indeed, and we will come on to that later. And yeah. do you mind me saying, you've just told me before we started recording, that you're 64. Yeah, yeah. And I think you're an amazing specimen for a 64-year-old. <laughs> Am I allowed to say that? Yes, I've never been an amazing, amazing specimen, but, but I'm fine with that. Yeah, brilliant. So you obviously do keep yourself very, very fit and yeah. look after yourself, and that's obviously a very high value of yours. Very. Yeah. And that has been since you were young, or is that something which you developed later in no, life? No, I had to develop it. So I won't go into too much, not because I wouldn't want to, but it'd be a waste of you know, a lot of things, but I was, I didn't know, but I was born with um, something that wasn't joined up in my brain, and we only know that now with, uh, you know, you can go into these tunnels and have your brain looked at and all that sort like of stuff. Like an MRI yeah. scan or something. Yeah, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And so now we, we'll, well, the doctors and everything that looked at me, um, professors that have looked at me and everything else, under that, realised that I haven't got, a, I've got my brains there, but it, hasn't got the facility wired up to retain information. Wow. Which I never obviously knew. Wow. How, how does that actually work? I mean, what, in what way is it not wired up? Is it something which happened pre-birth in the yeah. womb or is it something that happened post-birth? No, they reckon it's, it's just one of those things. Okay. So right from the start, I was, and obviously I'm an old kid, so that at school I was, in my class you were, uh, you were Right from, I think, six, you had a report card. And it was every week, and at the end of the week, anyone who was in the bottom three went to headmaster and got things that I won't describe. Mm. And I was bottom of every class of every school, because it kept on moved, for all of my life. Mm. So I was learnt as lazy. My father was a very well-known barrister and lawyer. Mm. So I forgot, he, as far as he was concerned, I was just lazy and all that, mm. so he would beat me and then I'd be beaten at school. So wow. so I, that's why I'm so trim. It never got a chance to grow. Really? That's why I yeah. you know, say. Yeah. So, so I just thought I was useless and everything. Right. Until one day, uh, I was brought up in Nigeria, uh, in Lagos with the Ikoi tribe. Really? Now, how did that happen? That my father worked over there. Okay. And um, so... Occasionally we were flown out from England and we were there and I'd say at one of the houses we had there and uh, this was in the obviously very early 60s so um, things were of unrest there mm. and uh, and he was a real head and leader and we used to he would go in an open top car through things waving at people he was and he had to be there at hangings and all that lot. Wow. He had to be present to say it could take place. Amazing weird times. Met the yes. Prime Minister of uh, Tafawa Balewa uh, over there. So we were really quite, it was a world for me and I was what then, eight, nine. So, so you're almost like a prince in a way. It, yeah, I was but he, 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 you know. We, yeah. so, so it was a, just a bizarre sort yeah. of, of life. So it wasn't really, so I just had, I was useless at everything until one of the chiefs gave me a small wooden sword that they'd carved. So it's wooden, it was lovely as a trophy. And I was only 10 then. And also, um, they also made me a talking drum, which is a drum with little skins on each end, and it has uh, what they call twine. And they make it, hand make it, and then with this, by pushing in, you tighten the skin, loosens the skins, oh, wow. and it's played with a stick like this. 
and I was fascinated by it. I was really good at it. They, they really they loved it. So when we came back to England, I, from the age of nine or 10, started playing um, the talking drum. And then just literally by 11, I formed my first band. And then by 12, I was playing with my brother on stage live. And then by... Wow. So, so your formative years, you were just basically considered useless. Absolutely. And you're considering yourself useless. Absolutely. Which we'll come on to a little bit later because obviously you do a lot of work now in mindset and mm. motivation and life coaching, I guess, for want of a better word. Yeah. And that was probably the start of that. But when was it recognised then that there was actually a very real significant problem and it wasn't just that you were lazy? Was that picked up while you were a child or was it much later in life? that you mm. realised that? No, so my father, <coughs> my parent, well definitely my father, my mum was brilliant. My father just, he was an interesting guy. Yeah. It's the words I'll use on this, it's yeah. appropriate, I could yes. use more. Yes. And um, he just didn't mean it. he'd been very, very Victorian. So it was really, in those days, nowadays it would never happen. People would mm. say, this child's underperforming, look, mm. let's, let's look at it more. Mm. But in those days they didn't mm. know, so it's no blame. And um, so I just got that, I was loose, so it was, so I, in the end I was pulled out at school at 15 by my father as if to say, and he just then, he didn't throw me, but he didn't tell me. So all that happened one day I was at school at 15, and then the next thing he said, right, after the weekend, you're now indentured, which as you probably know, means it's like legal, you're indentured into a four year mechanical apprenticeship in a garage. Wow. Without asking me anything. Okay. And so for the next four years, I was abused there, put in the parathin bath, everything. Right. Until I left. And I know the date, the day, the time I walked out. And I used to, at home, I had this wall with paper and I used to put lines, like I was a prisoner, with things through how many days I had till the four years was up. Right. So and almost a bit like a prison sentence. Yeah, it was horrendous. But by that time, you're saying that with your brother, you had bands. And, and yeah. you were discovering a side of yourself which you hadn't known before, the musical side, the physical side. Was yeah, coming out. and the performing side. So was that still going on during that time? What, while, the, while you were in, at the apprenticeship of the, the mechanics? Yeah, that was my saviour. Yeah. So I would look at bands like the Straubs, bands that people won't have heard now, Pentangle, all these bands who were around at my time. Yeah. And then gradually people started noticing me, so I'd be asked to be in other bands and things, and then eventually I toured, and then I toured around the world. And, and So you became a professional drummer? Yeah, yeah, that's how I spent, at least, I still do performing bands, but I, I, I'd spent 12, 14 years being a session musician, so I played on things that you'll have heard, and albums. R really? And, yeah. Well, tell us, tell us a few. Um, well, there were there were bands who were in the 60s, 70s, there was a band called Arena, who were a brilliant band, so I was with them, but also I'd done session musicians. Mm. Uh, and also I used to do a lot around the technical side, so, mm. you know, I'd be on stage like Phil Collins and the Banshees and Susie and the Banshees and, mm. and just so many. But Fantastic. And I loved touring because it was freedom, it was away from what I'd known, and at last I was beginning to do things that were things people went, oh, you're really good at that, rather than, you know, you're useless at that. And I had not known that. I just yes. thought, well, I, I'm, what, you know, are you kidding me? Mm. But that's one of the things which I really love about you, Nigel, is you are very, very humble. And mm. actually, I'm hearing a lot of this stuff for the first time. I didn't know 
that you're sort of like an internationally known well, rock drummer <laughs> who's toured with some of the big bands of the 70s. That's just an amazing thing because you don't tend to talk about it. No, no. Because yeah. I, I hold it as, the, well, that's what I did. It was survival, really, you know. So the, all these things that I know now, in the end, because I couldn't seem, I didn't apparently know things, and a lot of people do like information, and yeah. that's, and if it, you know, and proof and evidence and all this. And I just thought, well, I do this. So I started doing things, and people then would be like, so you do that? And I go, yeah, and they said, how do you do that? And I said, because I can't process, so I have to watch. All I do is watch and listen incredibly. So yeah. I'm doing something like if someone has a, a you know, something that's not quite right, so they, their hearing's gone or something, or, you know, that then you get this amazing musician and she's a percussionist, you know, yeah. world known, but she can't hear anything, tone deaf, but hears because she's on a bit of a stage that has vibrations, so she can then play. Wow. And she's amazing. So we do adapt, and mm. my brain obviously just gradually, I didn't make it, it just adapted so mm. that it said, right, as if to say, Nigel, you don't seem to be able to get this information, which gets most people through life, they make mm. sense of things. Mm. So I obviously then, my brain adapted, so I go for what we call now sensory acuity. Mm. So when I started coaching and I learned all about it, I went with people like Paul McCarran, Dylan Brown, all these people to find out about the mind, because mm. I had to find out, and learned so much. And mm. so now I can just see someone walk into a room, I know everything about them in some way. Wow, okay. So my perception is incredible because it had to be. It's heightened. To make me, you know, yeah. yeah. Well, our own Mr. Moore, Rob Moore, would say that with every downside, there's an upside. Absolutely. And so the downside of your condition, the upside, is that you've adapted, you've got the senses, sensory acuity, and I also know that you've got a couple of world records as well, which we're going to talk about yeah. a little bit later, which is part and parcel of this, which maybe if this hadn't happened, you wouldn't have uh, achieved. Absolutely. Everything so, has a reason. So everything has a reason, everything upside, downside, and presumably, I mean... I know a little bit of your backstory. Also, as a life coach, trainer, mentor, motivator, you because of where you've been, you know how to take people where they're going. If that yeah, makes and sense. very quickly. So, so yeah, that, yeah, that's really, really, really great. So you were doing the uh, the mechanics. Yeah. How did that go, by the way? Were you a me mechanical person? Did that work, or was it a, a, a good fit, a bad fit? It did was you, horrendous. It, horrendous. <laughs> Not your thing at all. What I used to do, and I'll tell you very briefly, is. I, we had an hour's lunch break. I lived eight miles away. So I used to, when I was training towards the Olympics things, so I would immediately, the bell went off, as in buzzer to say, right, lunchtime now, so people could then chill out. I would get on my bike and I would cycle eight miles, have my lunch and cycle back eight miles within an hour. Wow, yeah. Right? Yeah. So I really utilised everything to escape. Mm. So because I was kept in this, well, like a jail, going, mm. had to go to this place at a certain time and do this thing I hated, mm. that just my dad decided because he was once a mm. mechanic. Mm. And so it was just I had to survive. So obviously I'd cycle on a night time and I'd do anything to get out because I knew when I came back I was going to have a day of being in this place that I couldn't stand. Mm. And then finally when I got out, that was freedom. Then I went to art college and, right. you know, all that. Well, I was going to say, what happened when you finished being a mechanic then? What, what happened? Where did you, what was the next bit of your 
I went life to, journey. I wanted to go to art college, but to, for art college you needed, because I was a very um, good designer and, and good, great with my hands and articulation mm. and things. So, um, so I wanted to go to art college, but you needed five uh, GCSEs, mm. and I didn't have any because I can't retain information. Mm. However, I went ahead, they said, and it was just Hockney had just, I, so I went to the same school as Hockney. Did you? Same, yeah, yeah. I was at a Hockney exhibition just a few weeks ago. Yeah. yeah amazing. And I, I, I'm very artistic and mm. very sort of performer stuff. Mm. And from that, I, um, and I went, so somebody said, just go. Sometimes they will accept people who they could see have this thing, even if they can't, haven't. So I did some painting and things, but mostly I'd artistic in that way. And so I went to five different art colleges and I got into every one, mm. which was amazing because I hadn't mm. got any GCSEs. Yes. Before we take that further, though, I've got yeah. to ask the question because people listening to this might be thinking the same thing as me. When you say you can't retain information, yeah. what do you actually mean by that? And I mean, I don't want to sort of go too deep into this without, mm. I don't want to make you feel uncomfortable. I see, you'll never Because do that. it sounds quite extreme. It is extreme. But, but I mean, clearly you've, you're able to retain enough to know where you are and who I am and what we're doing here. So yeah. short-term <coughs> memory to medium-term memory presumably is okay. Is it I can retain anything because I'm picking up everything from you emotionally, not factually. Okay. So you can tell me any facts. My brain sort of goes, yeah, whatever. I'm just looking at who you are and what you're saying. Therefore, I get to know you very quickly without okay. you telling me anything. And it's what I have to do. It's my coping mechanism. It's always been there. So the thing is, if you told me something, it doesn't have to be incredibly, you know, like if you start explaining a bit like a computer, even just lightly, right, these keys do that, I will be in with you and I'll have to absolutely watch you. Mm. And I will listen, but I'm listening, I'm watching you because mm. you, your whole way of your talking, so I'm listening to your tone, your range, I'm listening to things that are so subtle, mm. but it's what I have to look at. Mm. I, if I just go with your words, so what happens is you tell me something, not that much, and I will literally, when I'm listening to you, I'll go, okay, and I go quite tense, because mm. I'm thinking, it's like a, you're giving me this thing, and it's worth a lot, and I've got to hold it. Mm. So I'm so like this, then you tell me the next piece of information to join this, and this one just goes away. Right, so it just goes. You, you just, just goes. Cannot, you so I'm now with facts. this next bit, mm. but I haven't got the former to learn. Yeah. So then I get that bit, and I can't retain anything that's factual. Mm. It just, I wish I could, which is why I was on Superhumans, because mm. I'm the only person in the world who has this. Right, okay, well let, let's, let's go with that then. Sorry, so, so then, no, that's here, good, so no, super, Superhumans, so that's a TV programme? Yeah, or, or it's was it uh, a guy called Stan Lee. Stan Lee. Yeah, yeah. who's the creator of Marvel Comics, so he's yeah. the man, he's about 85 now, great guy. Yeah, I've been watching Lucky Man on telly, yeah. which is a Stan Lee thing. So okay. for Stanley, um, you can apply, but mostly they have got people that are looking around the world for anybody who could do something that is unbelievable. However, to be on the show, you go through quite a lot of stuff. And I didn't put myself up for it. They found me by one of the things I was doing. Okay. And is that when you're, you're picked for that, but before you go through to be filmed and everything, they have to make sure whatever you're doing isn't a joke, isn't a trick that's real. And for that, whatever you're doing, if it's physical, mental, whatever, they will get the world's top professor to absolutely make sure with computers, 
you have a skull cap on, you cannot get away with what I call fudging it. Mm. You have to be the real deal. If it's found that it's an illusion or whatever, then they don't say get off, but that's it. You don't get to be on. Okay, so what were you doing when they found you? Um, Well, I was doing several things, but one of the things I was doing was I was walking... I held several world records working on broken glass for for immense distances, like 18 miles. Yes. Yeah, things like that. But then I decided being... Because I don't know, I don't know. So I just do things and people say, what? I say, well, I don't know, I can't do it. But I have a suspicion no one else has done it. I think I'll go for it because I'm like that. Yeah. And because it's visual and everything else, it's just my style. If it's factual, forget it. Yeah. So, I mean, walking on broken glass for 18 miles is a crazy thing. Absolutely. You're going to tear your feet to pieces, presumably. You would think so. You would think so. And, and actually, I have seen, you're on YouTube, there's YouTube clips yeah, of you yeah. doing this kind of stuff. So, if anybody wants to Google or YouTube Nigel, Nigel Jardine, J-A-R-D-I-N-E. Yeah, correct. Yeah, then you'll, you'll see all this crazy stuff. And, and please... Do not do Don't it at home, home. Yeah, and children. Absolutely. I have to say that. Yeah, you yes. do because it, because we think oh, no, you know, it must be a, you know a bit like walking on hot coals, which Tony Robbins yeah, gets people to do. Yeah, I do hot coals as well. Yeah, but I mean, there's a reason why that works. But glass is going to cut your feet. It does cut your feet. So you were doing this stuff. Yeah, I was how, doing I mean, what made you even think of walking on broken glass? How does that even? Because one, it's visual. Yeah. Two, because I thought I could, but I also then so I did the walking on broken glass. But I then had the thought, once mm. I'd done that, well, I wonder what it'd be like if you put them together. If I walked on broken glass that's actually on fire, I mean, that really looks good, because I'm very visual. Yes. So I obviously didn't cha- tell Jane, my partner, because, you know... This is the just... artist in you coming out, isn't it? Yeah, always. So, yes. And the playfulness. I'm very yeah. playful now. Whereas okay. in those days, very dark, very dark and upset. Yeah. No, I'm ju- I, just, I just think life's a dream and play. Yes. So... Um, so I, I did it, I practiced it in somebody's garden on a dark night and we just, I said, look, let's just see. So I put on onto inflammable or flammable, apparently they mean the same, which I think is bizarre, mixes mm. my head up, but that's it, mm. the way it is. Uh, stuff, clothing to make sure. And I, we got it set up. And I worked out that bizarrely I could do it. So you went and set some glass on fire in somebody's back garden. Yeah, well, so I knew this there. person. <laughs> you know, that wouldn't have been good. Yeah, yeah, you knew the person. What are you doing in my back garden? Yeah, oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it, it was a trough. So because yeah. I love making things, because I'm very visual, so yeah. I made this big trough, which was about two, me- three, two or three metres long, two foot wide, and it was a trough full of... So it was glass trough, so it looked good, because I'm very visual, with smashed glass in it. Yeah. Random smashed glass, none of it trick, none of it, uh, what's it, glass, sugar glass, and things. Yes. No. Real, real, real deal. The real deal. Yeah. And put this thing called methanol. So yeah. methanol uh, is great for burning and also it shows a colour. If you put um, baking oil, I think it's baking something, it goes more yellow, which shows up on picture, which is good. Right. And I tried it out and I thought, yeah, it works. Mm. And it was that film that uh, Stan Lee saw. So he then had his people contact me and said, look, Stan Lee's really interested in you. I went to uh, them and they said, right, we need to find you can do this thing. So they tested me out. One of the things they do is I lay on, uh, so it was in a hospital, but it was the pain department were going to look at me. Okay. I said, there's a pain department? He says, yeah, yeah, we have to check out pain. To check, can you feel pain? Could you switch it on and off? What can you do? Mm. And I laid down uh, on this uh, 
piece of wood, uh, which it had padding under. Laid forward, I had a head. I had this all going off to a computer so they could check anything I felt definitely they could see was real. Mm. Couldn't just go, oh, I can't feel it. And they mm. go, well, there's a spike here saying mm. you can, so mm. we'll go mm. with that. Mm. And I laid down away from them. I couldn't see what they're doing. I had a headpiece in and they talked to me. And they said, so I put my foot up like this, so I'm that way. So my foot, one, just one foot, because that's what I needed. They had a laser and they were going to say to me, right, we will now, we've got you wired up, we can see everything on a computer. All we're going to do is very gradually bring up the laser more, but just very gradually so it's hotter, hotter. And tell, you tell us, and every time we're going to say, can you feel that, Nigel? And you just say yes or no, and then we'll stop it before it gets too hot. So I said, fine. So we started. So they kept on saying, can you feel that? And I said, nope. Turn it up, can you feel that? And remember, I can't see what they're doing. Nope. This went on for a quite a while. Mm. And I, in my head, was thinking, you obviously haven't turned it on. Yes. And they were saying, gradually with their tone, because I'll pick up tone like, you know. Yes. Nigel, can you feel that? And I thought, so I thought, I'm doing it wrong. So I went mm. straight back to school. I must be doing this wrong. Typical mm. of me. I can't mm. even put my foot up. Mm. And I said, no. Little did I know, behind, they're trying it out. Someone's going, yeah. And they said, Nigel, and they checked it was it's working. So I said, now you can fit. And in the end, they had to stop the whole thing. So they said, we got it full. Yeah. So they looked at my foot, and they said, there's no mark on your foot. I said, yeah. So I thought, yeah, and? So they said, but there's no mark on you, but it's working. So then they said, the professor said, Right, let's look at the computer as if to say, they were lovely by the way, yeah. but as if to say. Yeah, something's not happening right yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. bless him. Yeah. So they looked and they said, right, you can see here Nigel, now where the blips are is where they've talked to me. They go beep, 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 and then they hit me with the thing. Yeah. So they saw those, beep, 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 and then nothing. Mm. And they say, we'll go a bit later, we're really getting up. So they say, yeah, here's the beep, 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 and then there's this enormous spike but they see there's nothing I'm actually, even though there was a spike of electricity, just absolutely. And then the professor says to one of the people who works for Stanley, what's going on here, professor? And the professor says, I have no idea what Nigel is doing. Hmm. Everything we've got says he should really be feeling this pain. Hmm. But they said, be testing before, he can feel pain. Hmm. He can. Hmm. But somehow, I have no idea, he switches it off. Mm. And he said, and yet, now you switch off, nothing. So when I did the firewalk, eventually, mm. it was a thousand degrees, right? Now, let's say that again. How many degrees? A thousand, and yeah. skin burns at 400. Well, I was going to say, we're not about 100 degrees. Not even 200, we're talking a thousand, a thousand degrees. Degree. And they know that because there's a heat search camera also that shows around me. Right. And a human flesh burns at? 400. So you're 600 degrees over Correct. where you should have Yeah. Now I was just, just going to go in what we call one pass. So I was going to go on it, flames all around me, all this, to the end. Mm. Heat search camera to prove it and everything. But I am cheeky and very playful. So I thought, I'm going to see how it goes going one way. 
But if I'm going okay, I'm then going to walk backwards, and then if I'm really feeling up for it, I'll walk forward again. But they don't Just know Just to that. be clear, this is in the trough of burning glass, which Stan yeah. Lee's put together for you. No, I put it together. I make everything, right. but, but, he, but he's genuine. He's organising it, filming yep. it. Stan Lee's overseeing it to make sure you're yeah, not yeah. cheating. And you're walking on this trough, burning glass, a thousand degrees. Yeah. In your bare feet. Absolutely. It's not, they wouldn't let me do it in shoes. I thought that was really no. upsetting, but I, that's the rules. <laughs> in your bare feet. So what happened? You got to the end and you thought, I do quite fancy this. Did you walk back? I walked backwards, yeah. light, and then I walked forwards again, looked straight in. I was looking right into the camera mm. and then just went like that. And then that was it. Right. For those then, who can't see, by the way, if you listen to this on podcast, we're filming this as well. So if you go onto the Progressive um, website, I think you'll find the YouTube video of this interview with Nigel. You'll be able to see oh, what yeah, Nigel's yeah. face was like then when he looked into the camera. Cheeky and playful, Cheeky I, think, and playful. I think we'll call it. So then I came, got off the glass, and immediately, because around me has to be fire services already, they are there, the ambulances are there, and obviously they are there with the silver thing, you know, like when you've been through a mouth and run and all that, yeah. around me. Yeah. And immediately the paramedics went straight to my foot. And then they put their foot, lift your foot up and they went, oh, they, they didn't even say anything to me. They weren't rude, you know. Mm. So they went to this one, ah, no. So then they looked at the other one, oh no. And they were looking, because and they looked at each other and remember they just went, you haven't got a mark on you. And I, I'm not arrogant, but I, I said, no. That, that, the thing which is actually really incredible about that, I think if I'm right, if, if I'm thinking about the right story, but were your feet not on fire at some point during all of this? Or was that another Yeah, they time? do catch fire. So your feet were on fire? One foot was, it was my right foot, and I put it out with my other foot. <laughs> While you are in the trough? Yeah, you'll see me, I just go like that okay. on it. Okay, when you say you'll, you'll see me, is there a film, can we find this on YouTube? Is, there, is this anywhere where we can Oh yeah, I'm quite apparently allegedly all over the place. I don't do obviously anything on the internet because I have no idea what to do. No. So unfortunately I can Other never do anything. Yeah. To, I wouldn't even know how to have a look at me. I'd have to right. get a, someone to help me. So if we Google Stan Lee Superhumans, we'll find... Yeah, and it's called, uh, I'm called something like, which is Stan Lee stuff, but you know, I'm called the pain something. They, they call me something, it's like the pain, I'll, I'll, I'll let you know in a way, but it's called the plain something. And, it, and it's a typical Stanley. I mean, because yeah. it's Marvel comics, so they've yeah. got to give it something, the yeah. pain yeah, yeah. holder or thresher or something, but it's got pain as the yeah. first well, word. We'll Google it, yeah, Nigel yeah. Jardine, the pain something, and it'll yeah, yeah. start somewhere. It'll it? come up in my head, So j just to sort of be absolutely clear, how long was the trough of broken glass that you're walking uh, on? Lengthwise, you mean? Yes, yes. It was uh, about two and a half metres, but remember, I have to walk slowly. You can't yeah. rush it. So how long would you have actually been stood in it? Uh, Five, I was ten minutes, it. something like that? Oh, no, 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 no. Mm. Then definitely I, I wouldn't be here now. Mm. You know? mm. So, mm. no, it's probably about 20, 25 seconds, which right, doesn't okay. sound much, but you're on this thing that that's that, Well, it's that a thousand degrees. It's long enough. It's a thousand degrees. Yeah. I mean, if you put a piece of paper on it, it just goes... Yeah. Just immediately. It's well, that is amazing. And I'm assuming that is a world record. It's not what we call world record. It's a world first. Because no, I apparently, allegedly, they haven't been around everyone in the world, are the only person in the world mm. who can do this. So it's a world record is like you're the fastest, they're the best, but yes. no one else in the world has whatever I have, which I have no idea of. When I was, when I was tested on that bench, by the way, 
I, I thought they'd suss me out because I thought, I'm just an ordinary guy. I could do this bit of a thing, but I've never been this long, a thousand degrees on that. I've, I've done some at home and been hot. So I just thought any time they're going to suss me out. But I'm not doing anything nasty, I'm just being Nigel. But, mm. you know, I know I'm a bit different in some bizarre ways. Mm. So I was expecting any time to say, mm, he's doing this, isn't he? Or you're doing that, Nigel. Because then they'll just say anyway, thank you, but it's an illusion or a trick or, or mm. something. Mm. And they didn't. Mm. And they're all a bit mystified. And I thought, but I'm just Nigel, mm. you know, as I do. So I just said, do you mean you, there isn't a, do you mean, and I was a bizarre as if to say, what do you mean I've done all this and, and you not, they said, we have no idea what you're doing, which means now I get what we call a first, as in, okay. you can't have a world record on if it's against somebody else because you have to say I've yes. run faster. Or, yes, yeah, and nobody else wants to do it, presumably. And everyone could, just could looked at me with real sort of, who is this guy? So it must be something to do with this disconnect you're talking about, the, the way that your brain's wired up, you just don't feel pain or you can suppress they pain or something like and that. And I'm not, I'm not going to say I'm worse than anybody saw there's horrendous things out there, but they reckon it was all the abuse I got from zero to 15, right. which was, I wouldn't even begin to say it because people would be disgusted and turned yes. off. So that I got from my father. Wow. So terrified of what my father did and was doing mm. and could do mm. that somehow, without knowing it, I have learned to do something without knowing it. That I so can send a message, they just use my feet, so we don't know it might be just feet, mm. to my brain without knowing it, that actually changes the molecular structure in my feet. Wow. That's the nearest they can get. Other, as he said, I can't say anything. Nigel is doing something, mm. but he's no idea he's doing it. But he, he's what we call unconscious side, mm. has so learned him to survive mm. the horrendous thing he went through that somehow he's got such a coping mechanism mm. that he doesn't process it because it's a natural response to yeah. this because he's been used to getting away from horrendous things yeah. that he does something that has to be changing molecularly otherwise his feet would be on fire yeah so which is amazing i mean one's obviously one was one wasn't you put one of your feet out yeah. the other foot I mean, yeah. it's, an, it's a remarkable story so you're a, that's a world first that's a world first so you also have the world record for walking on broken glass which, Several of those. Which sounds a bit tame, actually, because if it, yeah, if it's sorry, not on fire. Yeah, sorry, I should have done it the other way around. But, 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 it, but it was for a distance, so 18 miles, which... That one was 18. I've got the world's uh, record for the fastest in one hour, which is 1.7 miles, because it's all on a track that's, that's measured exactly as well. 10 yeah. metres. Okay. And it has to be measured in the middle to make sure, you know... Yeah, and if you want to see that, that's definitely on YouTube, because I've Yeah, and then the I have the glass. world record for a number of hops, clearing broken glass and coming back down on it in one minute, which is 101 hops. Wow. And that ripped my feet to pieces. Literally, I mean, I mean not, not, not literally to the point where they're not on your, the end of your legs, because no, no. they clearly it, are. It, it just, but, but again, no, there was no damage at all. So we yeah. just, it just, some of it glued back together and it was fine, you know, it was, it, you know, it was just bleeding. I, I couldn't, I didn't feel, I just knew, but I wanted that one. Somebody just said, and it was for charity, somebody said, we want you to do something. And it was a, a world record event where they get yeah. world record holders in. Or, yeah. and, um, and it was in London, it was a big do and it was great. And they, they came to me and they said, right. And so they started the clock and, and you don't practice that beforehand. So I thought, 
I did a little bit, but I thought, oh, no. Mm. So I hadn't done it, so I just went for it. Mm. And all I did was just literally do as a hop, so one leg behind me, you know, yeah. up, and then the other coming down on broken glass yeah. in a minute, and it was 101. So that's never be broken, literally. Wow. wow. So you're at least a double world record holder and a world first. Yeah, I, yeah, quadruple, because obviously I've got the one with progressive. I was in oh, the world speaker. record. You're on the speaker. One's yeah, the speaker there. The first one we did, the first yeah. progressive. Yeah, yeah. So I'm on that, yeah. uh, that as well. Yeah. So, um, a multidiscipline world But they're all I have to say, do they alter humanity at all? No. So, you know, so when someone says about the world records, I say, yeah, let's work here. I'm, I'm not, I haven't been in, in the marathon. I don't hold. So all of them, when people here go, oh, right. And then usually you could almost hear them say, bless. You know, as if say, and that helps society and community. So I'm not rubbishing them, but mm. I, they are just the things I did because it collects a lot for charity. Yeah. It's a spectacle and it's just I can do it. So, but I don't, I'm not, you know, I'm not somebody who does marathon distance who's. Well, this you know, is you being humble again, and fair enough. But you say spectacle, so let's go back yeah. to that because we left the story where you had just gone off to art college and you're going to express yourself artistically. Yeah, yeah. So what happened then? You went to art college. I imagine you're a massive success. Yeah, yeah. Because because whatever's happening up in up in the grey matter there, <laughs> there must be a lot to come out, presumably. Yeah, there's it, all my emotional intelligence. So what yeah. is what I do now is I'm a, the emotional intelligence expert. So we're all. Some people are very much like my brother, who's three years older than me. He is what we call incredibly factually driven. Right. So his lead need, we call it, which you're born with, is for information, facts and everything. Mm. So he's at one end of the spectrum. Mm. So it's all information. He's very kind of intense. You can always tell the crow's feet mm. come here. And everything has to be, how do you know that? And facts. Mm. And if I can't do that, I, I'm obviously talking rubbish. Whereas I cannot process information. Mm. Mm. So I've learned to just read people mm. to an incredible level. Mm. And... It's not I'm guessing, they're telling me things they just don't know they are. Mm. So this body language is like 11 plus to me. Mm. It's like I'm really right there and I mm. have to watch out because I can see things in people. This isn't woohoo. Mm. And if I don't watch out, I might say things and I haven't asked permission. Mm. So I might say, I've noticed this. And so I have to make sure I don't shock people. Mm. So I have to learn to switch it off. It's interesting, isn't it? Because and some people will say to me, you're not doing this thing you do with people now, are you? And I say, no, I'm just intrigued by people. Because mm. you hear stories of people, for example, who've lost a sense, maybe oh, they're yeah. blind, and so their hearing becomes much more acute. Or if they're deaf, their yeah, sight and becomes you know, much more acute. And, and there's a very similar principle, presumably, that's going on. Whatever it is that actually manages to uh, process the information you are getting, is pro I mean, we all get lots of information which we don't really sort of take account of, don't we? Yeah. We're, bom we're bombarded with bits of information the whole time. Presumably, though, whereas we discard most of the information we're bombarded with, something within you is processing it in order to get that acuity at that level. Is that, yeah, is that so right? Yes, it's nothing to do with information. It's to do with what you're telling me and the way you're telling me and right. how you look when you tell me. Mm. It's nothing to do with information. Yeah. So all I'll do is, I mean, it is sort of obviously I'm mm. processing obviously mm. something that's there, mm. but it's the questions I ask people. Mm. So I will say, oh, you know, for instance, this, that and the other. And, and, but I can see they're a bit confused and I'll say, oh, for you it would be doing this. But for me, 
what I notice is, and so if someone comes in a room and they said even the first letter of a word, I will know exactly where they're at in their brain. Mm. And I'll think, right, you're going information with me now. Mm. And I will just know immediately because that, it's, I suppose it's a little bit like my description is, how do people learn languages? So it's bizarre that you obviously tell them you get it in and everything else, but when does comes to the time, I know it's gradual where, let's say you're English, but you want to learn Mandarin. So mm. when comes to the time when you've learned, learned that, but it's gradual, it won't be, you don't know Mandarin, you don't know Mandarin, then suddenly they say one more word and you know Mandarin. Mm. So there's a time when you can't have a conversation, but you know it, and they have their separate language. Mm. But then there is a time when very gradually you get a bit of it, and there'll be a time when suddenly, maybe for a few minutes, you can have a conversation. Mm. So con with station. So you can mm. now do what we call uh, dovetailing. Mm. Otherwise there, there's a gap. Mm. So immediately the gap is a bit, ooh, but you, you're not fluent, mm. but you definitely have this. And for me, that's what I catch a hold of. So all the time, I, when I'm talking to people, I'll say, and on that, do you think it's for me? So I place things and then I'll look at you so I can really, so when I've got an intense look, it's not because I'm staring or doing anything. It's because I have to, to get those nuances mm. of, Getting because I want I love connecting with people, you see, yes. and if I can't remember information, so I've learned somehow unconsciously to do this, and it's not a trick. It's 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 something that's you know, it's like I have a debility, but unfortunately no one can see mine, mm. and I don't mean that against mm. people who mm. you can mm. see. Mm. So everyone just thinks, oh, this guy looks pretty fit, mm. this that and the other. So when they see I can't make sense of things, I can't mm. remember things mm. at all because can't build on mm. that. They're confused because it's not like I'm walking around going hello and yes. so they think, well, you've got everything together. You seem to be successful, Nigel, but why can't you understand? Which is why, unfortunately, I had to pull out. No one told me to, but from doing progressive stuff with memory, because obviously there needs to, there is obviously we can look at, you know, the charts and things. But the idea is to you come away from knowing the information, not just going well, as long as that's there. Yeah you know, the routine. And so in the end, I just thought, but people said, but you're an actor, Nigel, you're a performer, you're great. I said, yeah. But unfortunately, I have got this other side, which we do need to have, uh, things like this. We're going to be delivering content, yeah. So in the end, I thought, I'm letting everyone down, which okay. I wasn't, but I so, felt it. So in that way, you could almost, you could see it as being a disadvantage. But I know because of what you're doing and where you are at the moment, you've actually managed to grab this and run with it. And as we said earlier, you know, that you've taken the downside and made it into an upside. Mm -hmm. Because you're a life coach, is that's probably a very simple way of doing it. You tell I me what you do, Nigel. What what is it you do? I don't like to say life coach, and I know there mm. are life coach because mm. life life coach, and I know it doesn't mean it sort of says. I mean in looser sense of the word. Yeah. I don't do one thing. I do life, and okay. so I, I so I'm just called a I'm told emotional intelligent expert, okay, or a mentor for people or supporter of people. That's that's what I do. So I do anything around the mind and mindset and very, very quick change of people, like really quick change. So I'll do a phobia cure without knowing your phobia yeah. and I'll do it in two minutes, it'll never return. Wow. Because it's learnt behaviour, you weren't born with it. Anything you're not born with, I can get you back because it's there, there's just a reason and I don't have to know anything. 
Well, I, and, I, and I know you're very good at this mm. because for confidentiality yeah. reasons, you never tell me who you work with. Yeah. But I know that you work with sort of like A-grade celebrity type people, high-powered people. Yeah. And you take them off to retreats. Yeah. And you work with them a few at a time or one-on-one. One-on-one or, -on -one. One -on -one or, or, you know, if it's uh, more the celebs, it, it's one-on-one -on -one and it's usually places. And just to be clear, this is household names people we'd heard, have mm. heard of. Mm. And you take them away and you, you help them put their mind back together, do you? I, get, I help get, them to own their mind. Yes. It's never gone anywhere. It's just okay. that they, you know, and, and it's, we can be millionaires, multimillionaires, billionaires, but at the end of the day, we're a human being being human. Yes. So that's it. So at the end of the day, it's, we have our lead needs. We have our talents. Everyone has their talents. Mm. It's finding their talents. It's mm. what, what gets you up in the morning, what makes mm. you passionate, what drives mm. you. And so I just go back to that. So it's the questions we ask, not mm. the answers I get. So I just asked people questions, really simple, but in a way they've never been asked. There was a woman I worked with. That's what I'm going to call her. So there's, mm. it's, she came to me. I never seen her before. She came and she said, "I've heard about you." She said, um, "I've got this thing that really doesn't work for me." And I said, "Okay." So she said, "I've been told you can help to get it." I can. So I said, "Okay." So and I asked her to think about it. And then I thought about it and I said, I said a couple of things. I said, like, so is this real or is it something that just supports you? So I'll do what we call scramble. I'll ask them a question that they can't totally work out because otherwise they'll just give me a glib. Because mm. if I ask them something, they'll know, they'll say, oh, it's because of this. Mm. Which isn't wrong, but it's like, a, it's just something they're used to saying. It's a, a reason. So they've got, that's the reason. Mm. So I just said something to them that was very, because I love languaging and mm. how we language, mm. you know, and the fact mm. of forward languaging. Mm. So I said to her, so if you were to do this thing, how would that be and how would it feel? And I looked straight at her mm. and she told me. Mm. And I said, so that's that session done then. <laughs> she went, that's amazing. Mm. So I said, you know, you could do it. She said, yeah, what did you do? And because mostly it's our simplicity that mm. will unlock people. Mm. Whereas people get into it, I say, no, you knew what you could do. You just had to be reminded of it. Right. Does that, that make sense? And mm. I look straight out and I nod and they nod like you've just done. Yeah. So I'm in then. But I'm in with a good energy. Right. And that's enough to resolve whatever she needed resolving. She knew. She just needed me to rewire. So I just, yeah. I know where people are in the brain because certain things. So we're always looking. So you look visually for things, but also every movement to your eyes, which you keep doing, is you have to move your eyes to a certain place without knowing it. Mm. You cannot interfere with this, mm. it's very hard to, mm. because each movement your eye. So if you ask me a visual question, mm. you say, oh, no, I will look. And if you see most people, they'll start looking up. Mm. Why? Because visual is stored up there. And you have to it's do that the to movement of the right. eyes. Mm not other things. So I know all the movements of the eyes, so I can mm. look at you, I know where you are in that brain at that mm. moment, so I can move your eyes mm. to another place where you can't get that, and mm. then I will see it. We are incredible creatures. It's just, uh, the book I'm just really writing now is about, we're not born with the, like you're not born with workbook, you know, you already have it, but you just, you know, so if, it's, it's like we're not born knowing things, so therefore we just know if we know something, that's it. 
mm. but there's other ways to do things. So I just know things to do slightly different mm. because everybody is saying things based on what somebody else said. Mm. So if you think everything in life is made up, mm. but we've all made it up so it works. So we all mm. have our different ideas of things, mm. but all of them are correct, but mm. it's not there's just one idea. So the way I look at things is going to be different because I can't do some things you can. So my brain's just gone, okay, but you've still got that in you, so let's move it to maybe you're more visual, nice, or you're more auditory, and mm. you know you like hearing people. Mm. So it's, you've got to find out what makes, it's almost what turns on your light. Right. And different people have different ways that they are turned on by something yeah. and, and realise it's in them, and then yeah. there's their talent. Yeah, and I, and I think this is something which we probably don't think about enough as individuals. My big thing, particularly in the property training, sort of making this sound quite mundane, but in property, for example, if you want to achieve and succeed in property, mm. you've got to have the right mindset. That's right. The grey matter up here has to be working in the right way because technically anybody can do property. The concepts of property are simple. It might take a little bit of hard work, but it's not you know, mm. rocket science. But what makes a, a, a successful person different from somebody who's not successful, I think, and I don't know you, whether you'd agree That's with this or not, is really what they're thinking up here. The ones who are successful are usually the ones who think they can be and believe they can be, mm. and the ones who aren't successful are the ones who don't think they can be and don't we, believe we they can whatever be. whatever you tell yourself, you're mm. right. Mm. So if Absolutely. you tell yourself you can't do it, well, you're right. You yes. can't, you know. So you've got to give a message to your brain. Apparently, it's connected to you. Yeah. So if you can think, so it's like whatever you think is command. Yeah. So this is why I, I spoke to you earlier as when we came in. This reverse language thing isn't wrong. But well, it's tell me about this because you say you're writing a book about reverse language. Yeah. Why do we talk? Yeah. Why do we mostly in in England? I'm not going to say it's, I'm being British. Yeah, but yeah. why in England mostly they may be mm. doing that at their other countries don't actually talk what we want, we talk what we don't want and hope people work it out. Yes. So don't drop the tray. Don't mm. be late, will mm. you? Mm. Don't yeah. think about this, will you? Don't yeah. So is it wrong? No. But we're so into actually talking this bizarreness. Yes. So instead of saying, hold the tray safely, brilliant. Yes. Right? Or could you be on time tomorrow? It would really help with me. And always give them the benefits as well. Yes. Just as the consequences. So don't be late. It hasn't told them what to be. It's told them yeah. what not to be. So they focus on what not to be, therefore they do it. Absolutely. And the funny thing is, this is really strange, because this morning I was thinking, this is the kind of crazy stuff I do, I don't know why, but I was thinking about the difference between New Year's resolutions and goals. No. Now why this morning? I don't know, because it's nowhere near the New Year. You decided year. to arrive. But there we are. But, the, but, but New Year's resolutions, they're always negative. That's mm. why it doesn't work. It's always giving something up or stopping something. Whereas, as you say, if you put it into the positive, it's a completely different outcome then, potentially. And I must, I, I, I don't think I'm genuinely annoying, but, and I must be quite annoying because I, I'll never correct people. That would just be like, who do I think I am? But I will say to them, you know, can I just ask, I always ask what we call gentle permission with power. So mm. I'll say, I just, I've just done something, uh, you know, here. Um, so, do you mind me saying, Peter, I've just noticed this, and I just didn't know whether you know. Um, every time you do this, you say that, and I'm just intrigued why you do that. And then you'll not know that you do this because mm. you've been doing it. Mm. So then you'll say, intrigued, Nigel, now I've got permission. Because you mm. intrigue, you're bound, I can't leave you with intrigue. Mm. 
But if I said anyway, I must be going, you go, whoa, whoa. Yes, you? you've opened a loop so which has to be closed. Yes. Crater. And I'll just say, it's just interesting that you keep talking in that way rather than the other way, which isn't bad. Yeah. I, it's just interesting. And yeah. then I stop and they'll say, why is it interesting? And then we have a great conversation. Yeah. Not, I never want to be right. I just want to explore why, because I'm what we call nosy with permission. Yes. Because I'm so fun, never play at someone's badness, but I'll always just, I do what we call a gentle reminder to someone. I'll just mm. say, oh, I've noticed you do that. It's really interesting. They'll mm. say, why, what do you do? Because mm. I know that's what they'll say. So I'll say, oh, it's interesting you ask that, and then I start. Yeah. Right. So I'll do a very, I'm not teaching people, mm. but I do say, and they say, yeah, that's true. Mm. Why do we talk like that? And mm. we have a lovely conversation, mm. but I'm mm. not being a teacher or better. If that makes sense. It makes perfect sense. So in terms of books, have you, you've got a few books out there already? Yeah, and you see, classic of, of someone like me, because of the memory side, so I've got about three or four, one nearly done, which is the one with the cover, which you've mm. probably seen, and none of them finished. So my goal yep. is over the next year mm. to just go to each of them. There aren't many, but mm. to just go to each of them and then make it so they are more. And I, and I think some of it is that I've had a lot written about me in various mm. ways, mm. and yet uh, me being out there as a writer, just there's some, obviously something I, need, I mm. you know, want to work through well, around look, confidence. I'm looking forward to reading them when they come out, because I think you've got an amazing story and an amazing message. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So, this is the Progressive Property Podcast. Correct. So I'm going to ask you now. Please do. Bring it round to property. Yes. Although I think a lot of this stuff, as I say, mindset and stuff, it's all about property, really. Mm. But are you in property, Nigel? Yeah, um, I'm in property with someone you know. I won't mention. Okay. Um, who um, and with me in property? I've been I've been property in two lots, really. Um, in property from, let's see, what would it be? It'd probably be early 80s. Mm. I bought my first property uh, in Leeds. And, um, but in those days, it was obviously nothing like it is now. And I mean that kindly, you know, it mm. was, a, it, it, it's just what, what Progressive had taught me and obviously thousands of others, you know, in that day, mm. it was so naive, you know, but mm. we didn't know what we didn't know. Mm. Mm. So for, for me, uh, I did it, didn't do it wrongly, and it, it sort of worked, but I had no idea really. So mm. I, you know, I'd get a property, then I'd do it up, then I had, so sometimes, not loads of properties, but quite a few considering, mm. you know, me, property, mm. how did this work? Mm. Um, and then I went abroad as well, and I had some, some property, abroad as well in Spain, where mm. obviously I did some of my work in Spain, so mm. we had properties there. Um, and then uh, I had a breakdown. Oh, okay. And uh, not really big, but it lasted 10 years, you know, so I'm just really coming back from that. And it mm. wasn't a breakdown, I sort of, everything else, but I completely, I don't know why, just lost all sense of belief in me. Mm. So some will say, well, you're this person, everybody else, yeah, and mm. I'm still a human being, you know. And uh, so now I'm back, sparky, mm. and, and, you know, a lot of learners have come on the way. So now I'm doing a lot of completions. 
you know, mm. so the, like the book and things like that. Mm. Uh, and and progressive is just lovely. It's lovely to be here with you and you know and people mm. around. Mm. But mm. Um, um, and yeah, that that so that really helped me the new way of doing property okay. in a way. And and that's definitely and that's how you find your JV partner. Yeah, yeah, and and they're just great because they have. They've been through the crash and then mm. they've come back. Mm. Uh, obviously, what's very important, definitely for me, is trust of someone. Mm. So it has to be that I really trust them mm. in an honouring way, and they're my sort of person, you mm. know, so that we we they have the information and mm. they have what I struggle with information-wise and all mm. this, mm. and I have the other side, which is also good in sourcing the, and I'm a designer, so you know, I've designed and had built a lot, you know, quite a mm. few houses. Mm. I haven't built them, but I, I love designing. Mm. Um, I designed all the, the pool and everything, the one I had in Spain, and mm. so I love, <coughs> very artistic in that way. Mm. And definitely, if it wasn't for Progressive, because I'd, I'd been around, once I'd come into the new world of doing it, mm. I had been to a few different possibilities, mm. That's and, okay. We don't mind. And then, and then, but there was just something, and I, I, there was something around humility. There was something around trust. There was something around. There were. It, it's some of them seemed a little bit. Just I thought mm, there's something I can't quite read. Mm. And then a progressive, and it was a lot of things. It was community. I, th I just mm. loved. There was, mm. there were people who I've become really good friends with. Obviously mm. yourself mm. and things. You know. And it was friendly, it was informative, it was kind, it was done at a lovely rate. Mm. You know, it was done in a way of literally progressive, you mm. know. Uh, and people really helped me through, obviously, mm. with me being unable to, to do certain things. And, and I, at, at last I felt, oh, I've got a family again, you mm. know, because obviously I don't have family. Mm. So, so there were a lot of things about it. So it was the information, it was the way it was delivered, it was the success of progressive, you know, mm. it's just like, mm. not just success, because some people might see that as a bit, yeah, but that could be a bit success built on things that mm. aren't probably as mm. appropriate. And for me, I just thought they're very honoring, and I just totally sort of, trust must have been there, because I just yeah. went in and, and learnt lots, and yeah, it was. So this is, this is all part of your rehabilitation yeah, in a way. Yeah, I but I mean, you are sparky there. And one of the things which I was going to ask you about, of course, is one of the things you're doing at the moment is you're an international speaker, of course. Yeah. So yeah. you're all around the world yeah, when, speaking. Yeah. <laughs> when countries, I mean, I used to, you know, I've done a lot all over around the world, but at the moment it is interesting with what's going on, let's put it that way, which is sad. So I used to be a lot in Dubai and, mm. you know, the Saudis into uh, places, but now I do have to check mm. because obviously some of those areas that yeah. I would have gone to. A bit more dangerous. Yeah, they're interesting, definitely. Mm. Um, but whether it's travel, but everyone's the same, we just have a different way of conveying. So yes. so I, I'm, I'm a lovely observer, you know, I really, yeah. I, I just love, not just observing, obviously yeah. I, I talk to people, but yes. I love observing first and just thinking, wow, I'm thinking, what is it about this person that works, mm. not, because we all have the stuff that works and therefore paradigm says the stuff that doesn't work because it has to be like night and day. So I just think, so what is it about you that redraws me to you and mm. works? And, uh, and I love people. But I've got to ask the question though, Nigel, how do you find delivering a speech? If retention of facts is a difficulty, how, how do you? How I, do I you have do my that? own one-man shows that I have to write. 
Right. And because then I've written them mm. and they will have things in them that luckily give me clues without anyone knowing they're there. Right. Uh, otherwise I can't, I just, it, it's unfortunate. Uh, so people see me as a performer, they say, oh yeah, you're great on stage, you're real before, you really come alive. True. But then if there is, which in some places, no, you know, really you have to have loads and loads of information if it's a whole day's programme. I just, and, and I owe it to the people who like Progressive of honouring what you do. And therefore, so you'll say, it's really great this. And they won't understand, mm. Not, nothing against them. Mm. But he's practised, practised, but he just can't seem to get this order. And there's no point in me saying to them, that's because I've got this thing that no one else in the world has, because mm. they'll go, yeah, I tried that once, and yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. Rob wouldn't take it as, yeah. you know. So people, because they can't see it, they will, and it's not against them, but they will find mm. it hard to think, mm. yeah, but wait a minute, we've heard you talk, we've heard, so I think they'll put lots of things together and think, you know, two and two, it's, it's four. Yeah. Why is he creating this 25 and mm. a bit? Mm. So in the end, I decided that I'd, I'd remove myself, simply mm. still be around you, because mm. you deserve to have great trainers who mm. can remember, mm. and I'm a great trainer, who's interesting, so I, I'm writing my own one-man shows, yeah. which will be about uh, really how we are, what we are, and how funny we are. It's really gonna be called, you may as well laugh, because after all, you are so funny. <laughs> Brilliant. Because Brilliant. we are. Yeah, absolutely. We, are just, we yeah, just take yeah, ourselves totally. far too seriously. And I totally, totally. Yeah, well, I'm really looking forward to that. And Nigel, I think we're probably getting towards the end of our time now. I was going to say, I'm going to be so been, much on the cutting floor. No, 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 it's been fantastic. And you are truly an inspiration. And that we've only gone a little bit into your story. And I know that sort of given what you went through, to end up where you are now is absolutely inspirational. Oh, thank you. And, yeah, I mean, the things you've done are actually, I mean, you, you live life to the full, don't you? you well, the things my, you do are just totally crazy <laughs> and over the top, and you're out there doing it, and you're still going. I still don't know amazing. how much is left, and apparently most people don't. So I just think, you know, this, yeah. this is it, if I'm not going to give it all now. So, yeah. so now I've realised the older you get, for me, I'll only talk about me, it's just, it's not I don't care anymore, but I just think, Nigel, you know, mm. it's like, you make your world, not yes. other people. So, so you know, I just play, and and whereas before I took myself very seriously, which I can mm. understand. Mm. So I became serious, and mm. and that definitely didn't work for me. So um, so now I'm serious, and I'm very playful, but in an, in an honouring honouring way. Yeah, well, it works for me. It's fantastic. Oh, that's great. Very Thank inspirational. You. So for anybody who's listening. Do go onto YouTube, go and look for those videos of Nigel doing the broken glass record, amazing. Do go and Google the Stan Lee superheroes, superhumans? Yes, yeah, Stan, Stan Lee superhumans. And Nigel Jardine, the pain something. Yeah. Which hopefully it will come up on Google. Yeah, Because that is an amazing film, with seeing your feet on fire and all that kind of crazy stuff. And if you get the chance to see Nigel, if you bump into him when you're hanging around Progressive, Say hello, I'm sure you won't oh, mind, yeah, really, Nigel. Yeah, no. And Nigel, we want those books out you of you. So next, this time next year, when we're doing the follow-up, I want to hear the books Absolutely. are finished. Yeah. Well, you, you're the success with I don't know how many books. So oh, well, I might you come don't know, to you but you, you've got a real a message. A few tips. To, okay, well, you've got a message to get out there. I want to see it. Oh, thank you. So it's been Nigel Jardine. Thank you, Nigel. And I've been Peter Jones. And if there's any topics that you want to talk about on the podcast, get in touch with me through Messenger or through the Facebook community. 
If the topic looks like it's going to be a good one for the community and it'll benefit everybody, we may cover it. I'm not promising. We'll have a look at it. But if it looks good, we'll do it. And in the meantime, I'll see you at the next podcast. So here's to successful property investing. <laughs>